0: Does facial recognition technology pose a threat to our privacy? And would that be an impediment in using that biometric to help safeguard your organization's digital and physical assets? Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group, and I'm pleased to be speaking with Beth Gibbons, the founder and director of the Privacy Rights Clearinghouse. Welcome, Beth.
1: Thank you very much, Eric. Uh,
0: before we discuss your concerns with facial recognition technology, please take a few moments to tell us about the Privacy Rights Clearinghouse
1: we're not a new organization we were founded nearly 20 years ago before the internet actually and before a lot of these emerging technologies came on the scene we started as a California only nonprofit consumer education and consumer advocacy group and we've now of course since the advent of the internet and, and when our website went online in 1996 we're now of course a nationwide group two-part mission we do consumer education we're, we're kind of a dear abbey of privacy in that we invite people to contact us with their questions and their complaints We learn a lot just by talking directly with people. And then secondly, we we are involved uh, in, in some advocacy, primarily in the California state legislature.
0: The Privacy Rights Clearinghouse cautions that facial recognition technology, especially as it becomes more sophisticated, may be one of the greatest privacy threats of our time. How so?
1: I have kind of a mantra in terms of uh, privacy rights, and that is individuals deserve transparency and they need control. So those two key words, transparency and control, say a lot, I think. Facial recognition technology can be used without the knowledge or the consent of the individual, to be totally oblivious, totally invisible to the individual. And yet, once you identify that person based on the unique characteristics of their face, and you could then match it with other databases, you could connect online information to offline information. There are a lot of possibilities in terms of where that simple capture of one's face will lead.
0: Can you give an example or two of that?
1: Well, yeah. Let's just talk about an example. I'll give you two. One is in the sort of the public arena and one is in the commercial arena. Let's just say that you are demonstrating at a public event. You may not like something that the government has done. You may be against a certain law or a certain proposal and you're out in public at an event. Those individuals who are participating in that event could have their faces captured, say, by by law enforcement or other government agencies and then be identified in that way. so that's kind of the constitutional side of the uh, issue. You know, I think most people, when they're out in public, take for granted that they are anonymous. I think they know that when they go into a commercial space, say a store, there are video cameras all over the place taking their photo. But now, and I'm, now I'm moving over to the commercial sector application, now you could actually be identified when you walk into to a store. And if that store has, say, a database on you, let's just say you're a frequent shopper, or, or maybe even this is the first time, but, but perhaps the store is cooperating with, with an alliance of merchants, uh, you could be identified. They might know then, are you an impulse shopper? What sorts of items are you likely to buy? What is your income level? You might be treated a certain way based on those things that they know about you. Or let's just say it's a bank. You walk in and, and, they're able to immediately identify you as a top notch, important, valued, moneyed customer, and you might get shuttled to the front of the line or to a special, a special area for preferred customers. What if you're somebody coming in who just has a small account and, 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 and a few transactions? Well, you might not get served as well. Another commercial application that we're particularly concerned about is, is price discrimination. You might be offered one price, and this is particularly true in the online arena, one price If you have a certain profile and another price, if you have another, there are some, I think, tremendous privacy implications, both on the constitutional side of that privacy dividing line and the informational privacy side.
0: In a press release you put out, you mentioned something about Facebook and combine that with other kinds of technologies, including facial recognition. Can you discuss your concerns with that?
1: Yes. In fact, let me refer to the Carnegie Mellon University study that really piqued our interest in this issue. They actually took uh, Facebook photos. Now, they didn't use the Facebook facial recognition technology. All they did was they went on Facebook uh and retrieved photos uh, to then match against photos that they obtained from a different site some some online dating sites where people were not named so they took these essentially anonymous photos from the dating site and were able to match it to public publicly displayed photos on Facebook using an off-the-shelf facial recognition software program called PitPAT. And by the way, Google has since purchased PitPAT, which I I think is significant matter. So they were able to identify 10% of all of those anonymous people from the dating site. In another, they, I'm assuming it was their Carnegie Mellon University campus, they took photos of students walking around on campus, and they were actually able to identify 31% of those And then uh, I think even more fascinating is they took a photo of a person's face and they took all the information they could find publicly available online, and from that, and this is astounding, they figured out the person's birth date, their personal interests, and their Social Security number. Now, for me, since we've been involved in identity theft for a long time, once you know a person's name, birth date, and Social Security number, you have enough information to commit new account fraud or identity theft.
0: Are you aware of any laws that prohibit or limit the use of facial recognition technology, or are you aware of any bills before Congress or state legislatures that would restrict the use of facial recognition products?
1: Well, I know in Europe this is a big deal. In, in Germany, I know that they're very, very concerned about this and I think they've demanded, you know, that Google not in, it, use this technology. The European scene is quite different in terms of privacy law than the US scene, however. I am not aware of, on the commercial side of the fence, a law specifically stating that facial recognition is prohibited or limited in any ways. I don't think we're there yet. This is just to the best of my knowledge, however. I think with the attention that this issue is getting, there could very well be some bills, especially at the state level, but perhaps even in Congress, that would address this issue. I know that Congress has address lo- location-based identification services or locate lo- related to the mobile phone, for example. And that's an example of an emerging technology that also has significant privacy implications. So it wouldn't surprise me with the additional interest in this issue if there would be some attention paid either at the state level or in Congress.
0: Our audience largely consists of those in government, healthcare, financial services, other industries responsible for safeguarding their digital and physical assets. Biometrics including perhaps facial recognition could be one of the tools in their arsenal to do just that, such as facial scanning to identify those authorized to enter secured buildings or access a database containing sensitive data. Do you see that as a problem?
1: Well, I think if they back up those applications with good, solid privacy and security policies and practices, that they'll be in good shape. And I think they should also pay attention to the whole emerging technology of biometric encryption. There's the biometric template. That's essentially the the long string of zeros and ones that relates to, you know, the shape of your face and and the key identification points on your face. And, of course, all of this then is stored in a database, and then other information about you is related to that long string of zeros and ones that identifies your face. So its database really is where all the action is. Using biometric encryption, I think, would be, a very important thing for people who, who read and listen to your messages to, to consider. And they might want to look at what the province of Ontario Privacy Commissioner has been doing in that regard. Anne Kavukian, uh has certainly been leading the way on this issue.
0: And do you know much about what's going on in Ontario?
1: They've been using it in the gaming and lottery industries and have been apparently for quite some time. Because as you probably know, when you walk into a casino, you're giving up all of your privacy. And as you probably already know, you are on camera and identified from the moment you enter to the moment you leave. I think if you want to sort of examine a case history of of surveillance, take a look at the casino industry. Up in Ontario, they've been working with uh, encrypting all of that data Compiled through visual surveillance and facial recognition biometrics in order to safeguard that data and prevent, you know, abusive uses of it.
0: Anything else, you like that?
1: Well, you know, there's another key issue that I'm very concerned about. We are contacted from time to time by by victims of stalking, and domestic violence. And I must say that one of the key concerns that I have is is the potential to use facial recognition uh, technology and, and identification applications to actually identify individuals and then stalk them. I know that Google has been reluctant to actually put out a facial recognition app for mobile phones, and I would hope that other companies would think long and hard about this particular matter before before they actually do that. If you see somebody on the street that catches your eye, and you are somebody who may be obsessive or with a stalking mentality, imagine the harm that could be done with this technology. So it's just another concern that I want to toss out, because I, I think we're going to see this as a growing problem. Thank you, Beth. Well, thank you, Eric. I really appreciate it.
0: I've been speaking about facial recognition technology with Beth Gibbons, founder and director of the Privacy Rights Clearinghouse. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.